last time on Wasteland Active Radio. In our first announcement, General James Roosevelt is on his way to Major Walsh's 19th Division Camp. General Roosevelt is slated to arrive within the week and will be staying in the area, presumably until Macklin and his army have been dealt with. So, what's this about the general already being in camp? He got here this morning, entourage and everything. It's a simple lie, but if Macklin's listening in again, hopefully he'll buy it. Hmm? Hey, who are you? You with the officers? Well, I guess you could say that. Hey, guys. Major Sterling? We came in with the General's entourage. Just got back from the officers' meeting. The General has gathered as many Dashwoods that could be spared. He's been moving us slowly and quietly through the wastelands to bolster the front. He's even gotten support from Chicago. We're currently waiting for Colonel Grimm to get back with a high-ranking officer in Macklin's army they managed to capture. They managed to capture an officer alive? Ah, how wonderful to see you all again. Especially you, traitor. Who the hell is this guy? Garrett. I'm so touched to see you all remember me. Ah, what sweet memories we share from such a short time together. I'm certain Macklin will be happy to see you as well, Atlas. <laughs> ah, it has been a long time since our dance in the forest, Atlas. I hope you've managed to quicken your pace since then. I know I have. You guys know him? He tried to kill us when we were searching for the survivors from Station Hill. And I would have done it, too. Your survival was yet another convenient contrivance. It would be lazy of those in power to allow it again. Hey, we already did that bit. Don't press our collective luck. Enough! You wanted to talk to us, Garrett? We're here. So talk. To the point, eh? This war has been one of deceit and subterfuge up to this point. Well played, I must admit. The leaks of your little radio program seem to have been repurposed into a wonderful river of false information. Macklin sends his regards and applauds your strategy, but he doubts it is your tactics misleading us. Ah, but I digress. Macklin is preparing to strike one of your camps in an effort to kill your leader. My master is prepared for whatever strategies you may use against him. All of you will meet your end as Macklin's forces push you, screaming, into a vat of F.E.V. The Dashwoods will never lose to the likes of you. Yeah, you tell him, Johnny. Hello! You! What a brat! When we've got you chained up in our camp? <coughs> if you're so confident, how about you tell us when your boss is going to strike? Ah, ah, ah. I don't want to spoil the surprise. I hate surprises. I've got ways of making you talk. Pah! As if your superiors in this idealistic militia would allow you to torture me. <laughs> I'm a private contractor. <laughs> Not all the rules apply to me. <laughs> oh, which hand do you want to keep? Oh, I like this one. I do hope the FEV doesn't steal away that malice of yours. Why are you telling us all this to begin with? Is this the same arrogance you had when you tried to kill us in the forest? Arrogance? Nay. My conscience couldn't let me disallow Macklin to annihilate you all without having a chance to kill Atlas with my own two hands. <laughs> Still so arrogant when you're in no position to boast. Tell us, when is Macklin going to attack? Oh, I will, but not with you. I've relayed my message to you and yours. 
I have no more words for anyone but your leader of leaders. I believe that's my cue. Here he is, sir. This is the one we've captured. Thank you, Major. Is that who I think it is? He certainly has the presence. Those are some intense eyes. Huh. I was expecting a beard. Hello? It's good to see you again, James. At ease, Major. Corporal Cortez, Corporal Hart, if you would, please ensure the room is secure. Yes, yes sir. Sterling, is that the... Shush. Yes, but don't say anything. So, you're an agent of Macklin. To whom do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Didn't you know it's rude to ask someone's name before you've given your own? I believe you've heard my name already. I've heard many names, but that was no proper introduction. I suppose it is up to I to properly begin this exchange. I am one of Macklin's deadly whispers, Garrett. Who might you be? You can call me James. I was told that you were captured while attempting to repair a stealth boy unit. Is this true? What rotten luck! Despite my proficiency in matters of stealth, your scouts managed to find me in a humiliating position. Such is life, I suppose. So, James, was it? What is your role here? You certainly outrank the two soldiers you have searching this room, and for those majors to address you as sir, you must outrank them as well. I have a fair amount of authority with the Dashwoods. For the time being, though, I am little more than an interrogator, here to see what information you can share with us about your leader, preferably without the need for coercion. Afraid to spill a little blood? <laughs> this is war, James. A leader such as yourself should recognize such a thing. Then again, perhaps you're not a leader at all. Perhaps I misjudged. From this point on, I refuse to speak to anyone but the leader of this mercenary group. Not even torture will convince me to speak anymore. Is that so? You defected from Macklin's army, correct? Is he bluffing? That's right. I have no doubt that he won't speak. Whether you torture him or not. The Nightkin are mad. Garrett no less than the others. Torture won't break him. You know me so well, yet we've only met twice. How romantic. Bah. Sir, a more direct approach may be necessary. Perhaps you're correct. All right then, Garrett. You want to speak to the leader of the Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company? It would make my whole week. Well... Wish granted. You're talking to him. Say it then. Who are you? I am General James Howard Roosevelt, leader of the Daring Dashwoods. <laughs> well, General, that's what I've been waiting for. I'd like to offer you a chance to surrender. If you and your soldiers lay down your arms and willingly submit yourselves to being exposed to FEV, we'll allow the virus to determine which of you will live. There's no need for that. I don't think you understand. You're the one who doesn't understand the position you're in. We currently know of Macklin's stronghold in Yellowstone, and we know that he has roughly 800 super mutants under his command, though we've estimated that there are perhaps 1,200 total hidden within the stronghold. My soldiers, with the help of our allies from the Wind River Collective, are currently holding advantageous positions in the areas with the highest concentration of super mutants. We are poised and ready to attack, so, as you can see, there is no need to negotiate surrender. And I highly doubt Macklin is the kind of leader to surrender. Arrogant human! You're bluffing! I'm afraid not. Then why haven't you launched your attack yet? Our main mission is to ensure the destruction of Macklin's stores of the forced evolutionary virus. Do you believe your leader would allow us to simply walk in there and dispose of his primary source of soldiers? 
I thought as much. Anything else you'd like to say? I have nothing more to say to you! Suit yourself. I have more questions, but I can wait. Cortez, Hart, keep an eye on him. I have some preparations to deal with. Goodbye for now, Garrett. We'll talk later. The rest of you, please come with me. Sterling, Walsh, Young, and Clown, you have your orders. See to them. Yes, sir. Mr. Redner, is that the weather robot you use for your show? Uh, yeah. I need a forecast for today's weather, preferably within a 24 window starting from this moment. Can you do that? Uh, maybe. Johnny? No problem. Bucket, forecast the weather for the next 24 hours. Acknowledged. Beginning 24-hour forecast. Currently, the temperature is 40 degrees Fahrenheit, 28% humidity. Overcast with light winds. Wind traveling southwest. Ambient radiation increased by 1%. Conditions will hold steady for the next 7 hours. Temperature will decrease to 19 degrees around 2100 hours. Cloud cover will move by 2300 hours. Dawn at 0603 hours. Temperature will increase to 43 degrees by 1200 hours. Ambient radiation will increase by 1%. Ambient radiation level is... Condition yellow. Unstable levels of radiation. Exercise caution while traveling. 24-hour forecast complete. Running diagnostics and printing satellite scans. Here's a hard copy of the report, General. Excellent. Thank you for all your assistance and services up to this point. You've done well for the Dashwoods. Now, Mr. Redner, would it be possible to record our interview for next week's show? Uh, yeah. I'd need a few minutes to get things set up, though. Is now the time for such a trifling matter? Hello? I have to admit, I find this somewhat unusual. Honestly, at this point, I'm not even surprised. This is more normal than a lot of the Dashwoods I've met. I understand your concern, especially since we're going to be launching our attack on Macklin's stronghold tomorrow after sunset. <laughs> Never mind. We're getting ready to attack this soon? An attack in the dark? I find the prospect quite mad. But I doubt Macklin would foresee such a tactic. Exactly. We've already gathered as many sets of night vision goggles as we could get our hands on, as well as a chem many people refer to as cat eye. The stuff that lets you see in the dark? Correct. With our units more capable of seeing in low light situations, our disadvantage will be allayed somewhat. All the officers are preparing their units for the attack. I suggest you report to your assignments and begin your own preparations. Then why bother doing the interview? We've been traveling for weeks, non-stop, and there are a handful of things left for me to take care of. I'd like to take a moment to wind down, and this interview seems like a good way to kill two birds with one stone. Ah, fair enough, I guess. Well, if you're ready for the interview, let's go on and head over to the communication subtent. Lead the way. was weird. Very weird. I'm still unable to get a proper read on the general. I do hope we haven't misplaced our trust in General Roosevelt. Hello. Only time will tell, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, anyway, we should go and get geared up. Uh, I'll see you later, Johnny. Stay safe. You too, Shoban. Atlas. We should get the you-know-what set up in the workshop. Agreed. I need to inform my unit of my location first. I'll meet you there. Come on, Bucket. Acknowledged. Uh... Hello? All 
right, we're all set up, General. So, I'm gonna do the intro to the segment and call you in. You can just sit right there and I'll add some things in post to make it sound like you walked in and sat down. Sound good? You're the expert in this matter, so I'll trust your judgment. Well, thanks for the confidence. Okay, just wait until I give you the cue. <clears throat> thanks, Atlas. That was quite the interview, dear listeners. But I think I've got one to top that. For today's open table interview, I am supremely proud to welcome the one, the only, General James Roosevelt. Come on in, General. And uh, this is where I'll end up putting those sound effects in. Welcome to the show, General Roosevelt. The pleasure is all mine, Mr. Redner. Thank you for having me on. Please, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hello, I am General James Howard Roosevelt, leader of the Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company. How is your trip here? Productive. We've been gathering up allies on our way here from our headquarters back east. By the time we make our move against Macklin, we'll be more than prepared. Uh, that's comforting to hear. So, what can you tell us about yourself? We've discussed you on the show a lot throughout the past few weeks, but I'm sure the dear listeners would like to hear it from the source. Where'd you come from, General? I was born in the ruins of Baltimore, in a settlement built inside of an apartment building that's no longer there. My father was a teacher, and my mother was a farmer. My parents did their best with what they had, and eventually moved from that settlement before it collapsed during a hurricane. From there, we went south, into West Virginia, where my parents settled in a small town, plying their trade until my mother died of radiation poisoning, and my father died trying to break up a fight. I'm sorry to hear that. No need. They've been gone a while now, and I likely wouldn't have joined the Dashwoods if they hadn't. What would you have done if you hadn't joined the Dashwoods? I think I would have followed in my father's footsteps. I've always had a passion for education. Ah, that's pretty admirable. What made you join the Dashwoods instead? I needed a way to survive, and I wanted a way to see more of the world. The Dashwoods served as a means to achieve both of those goals. So it was purely pragmatic? At first, yes. However, I grew to admire the Dashwoods' goals and the methods the Dashwoods used. I was lucky enough to meet General Taft when I was a cadet. He came to our camp looking for talented individuals. I guess I fit that description to him, so he had me move to special training. I was promoted to major in two years, colonel in five. That's impressive. I've heard it usually takes ten years to make major. General Taft must have put you on the fast track. I suppose he did. However, after everything I had done before Tennessee, I believe I had earned my rank of colonel. I'm glad he brought that up. You've earned quite a name for yourself after everything that happened in Tennessee. I haven't found a single member of the Dashwoods who have completely condemned you for what happened out there. I'd like to hear your side of that story. <sighs> it started when General Taft and Lieutenant General Houndstooth attempted to enter Tennessee in hopes of building a new outpost and sponsoring settlements. They were met with open hostility by Proud Company after Taft and Houndstooth protested Proud Company's use of slavery. The two of them had to fight their way out over the course of several days, and they lost many of their own soldiers doing so. Initial orders were to avoid Tennessee, but keep Proud Company from expanding their borders. Easier said than done though Proud Company was content to remain within Tennessee for the time being. After doing some reconnaissance on my own time, I made a proposal to General Taft. I knew how to take Tennessee from Proud Company, so let me take the units I need and I'll hand it to you by the end of the year. After a few days, Taft gave me the green light to execute my plan. Our objectives were to wrest control of Tennessee from Proud Company by destroying their headquarters capturing their officers and any surrendering troops, and killing anyone who stood against us. To do so, my troops and I started monitoring Proud Company travel routes, noting their schedules, numbers, equipment, and more before making our move. We would set up ambushes and wipe out entire supply trains, leaving no Proud Company soldiers alive. We would sneak into their camps at night and slit their throats in their sleep. We would poison their food and water, surround their camps with rings of fire, drive them into rivers, and bomb them from a distance. There were no real battles under my command, just massacres. By the end of our campaign in Tennessee, we lost eight of the 132 that we brought, 
By my count, we killed more than 700 members of Proud Company before we destroyed their headquarters. It was a slow massacre, taking place over the course of nine months. By the end, there wasn't enough of Proud Company left for them to make a formal declaration of surrender. We spent the next two months cleaning up any holdouts and loyalists before calling in Colonel Wolf to bring in enough Dashwoods to officially occupy Tennessee. After returning, the other colonels saw fit to try me for war crimes, for breaking the Dashwood Code. The trial went on for over a week before General Taft arrived and weighed in, resulting in the charges brought against me being dropped. Wow. I, uh, I remember hearing what Taft had to say about the matter, about how groups like Proud Company don't have a place in the world the Dashwoods are trying to build. I figure that's why he gave you the go-ahead. That being said, what drove you to wipe out Proud Company? I agree with Taft's assessment, but that's what drove me to liberate the slaves. What drove me to wipe out Proud Company was how poisonous their ideals were. They were diametrically opposed to the goal of the Daring Dashwoods. They stood for hatred, subjugation, aggression, and fascism. They were our natural enemies, and I couldn't let them continue to exist. Yeah, that makes sense to me. How do you feel about the people in Tennessee that hate the Dashwoods now? We've already started improving the infrastructure, providing resources, work, money. As long as the Dashwoods maintain a presence in Tennessee, things will improve, as will the lives of the people who live there. In time, I hope they see that what my troops and I did was for the good of the people. All of them. I hope so, too. So, let's shift topics to something less heavy. What do you think of the 19th Division? I must commend Major Walsh on her work. She and the Dashwoods under her command have done well pushing this front. As far as leadership goes, I've met few officers who know and care for their subordinates as much as Major Walsh does. It's been an absolute pleasure working with her. You absolutely hit the nail on the head with that one, General. I'd also like to commend you and your crew on your radio broadcasts. Oh. I must say, General, I'm flattered. I knew it was a good idea to have you begin broadcasting again. I beg your pardon? I was the one who requested that you and your crew continue your show. I guess you could say I'm a bit of a fan. Uh, um, well, this is unexpected. First off, thank you. Second, why? According to reports from the Ash Flats from before the battle for Station Hill, Major Sterling's reports show a noticeable uptick in morale among his subordinates. While passing through the Ash Flats, many settlers we encountered talked about how they wanted the show back. Are you alright? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just... <clears throat> uh, thank you, General. That really means a lot. Um, uh, I have one last question for you. Ask away. What is your favorite meal? I enjoy Meyerlurk stew with seasoned hardtack and black coffee. Ah, I've never tried Meyerlurk stew before. I'll have to check it out. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, General. Thanks again. It has been an honor having you in the studio. The pleasure is all mine. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a battle to plan. Yes, sir. And that's a wrap. I'll have this edited and ready to broadcast before next week. For real, though, thank you for the interview, General. No need. It was my idea, after all. I must say, you and your crew have done well keeping to the false information campaign we've plotted. From Major Walsh's reports, it looks like it's been working. Well, after what happened in Station Hill, I hope so. I think you've redeemed yourself in that regard, Mr. Redner. Now, I suggest you report to the communications team before we begin the battle. If I'm correct, their tent is on the way to where we're keeping our prisoner. I'll walk you there. Oh my, is this a date, General? <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, hello, Mr. Windsor. Lieutenant Colonel Tinsmith, hello. Making a last-minute tune-up for your armor before the battle? What battle? Uh-oh, did I just break confidentiality? Oh no. <laughs> your leg, Windsor. I already received my orders. Oh, thank goodness. So, you're part of the heavy infantry unit. That's right. Speaking of which, I should run through my checklist. 
Checklist? For what? Armor preparation. Let's see. I oiled the joints yesterday, refreshed the hydraulic fluid last week, cleaned it inside and out. Armor plating mounting bolts could use tightening. Let's see how the fusion core is doing. Looks like... 98% charge. Acceptable. Let's get those plates tightened. Well organized, I see. I can appreciate that. Well, I've already handled my own armor prep checklist, so I'm going to take this time to clean my rifle. <laughs> that was incredibly fast. I know my way around this rifle like the back of my hand. Mm, that's not the only thing I know my way around. That makes sense. I have no doubt you know your way around the battlefield, too. <laughs> that's not what I meant. But you're not wrong. What do you think our chances are? In the battle? Well, not counting the Wild River Collective soldiers and our other allies, mm, we have a little over 1,000 units, mostly infantry. If I were to estimate how many our collective allies have, uh, I'd place our numbers around 2,000 total. That's impressive. With the infantry, heavy infantry, artillery support, and the scouts supporting the sniper teams, what do you think our chances of winning are? I don't like to speculate on stuff like that. You can run the numbers all you want, but in situations like this, they aren't going to hold true. A very important captain once said that it's impossible to commit no errors and still lose. That's not weakness, that's life. Colonel Grimm really likes that quote for some reason, but I agree with it too. No matter how many soldiers we throw at Macklin's army, they could still surprise us with something that could devastate our numbers. Like a tornado? Ah, right. I forgot that you were at Station Hill. That may not have been Macklin, but I see your point. Thankfully, that robot friend of yours didn't predict a tornado landing today. He didn't last time either. Hey, Windsor, look at me. We're going to win this war. I thought you just said you don't like to speculate on- I know what I said, but I'm not speculating here. We're going to win. I know it. Well, I'll trust you. Besides, we're not going to win if we're not confident that we will, right? That's right. Buck up, little camper. We've got a big day ahead of us. You're right. We've got this. Macklin doesn't stand a chance. Thanks, Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> My pleasure. Also, you can call me Jess. Gladly. Well, Jess, if that's the case, please call me Johnny. Gladly. And maybe one day I might even call it out in bed. Wouldn't that wake your bunkmates? What? <clears throat> Not if we're in your bed. But I also have bunkmates. And there isn't enough room in my bed for a second person. Do you need somewhere to sleep? Wow. You are a tough nut to crack. <laughs> so I've been told. Alright. Let's get my field kits prepared. Stacks. Uh, check. Bandages. Check. Disinfectant. Tourniquet. Uh, check. Gauze patches. Check. Rubber gloves. Check. Lightweight splint. Uh, okay, you got me. I don't know where those are. Uh, they're right next to... Oh! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Miller? What? Uh, what are you doing? Oh, you're injured, aren't you? Nope, not this time. I got briefed today by preparations already, so I came here to volunteer. They're letting me help build the field kits and gather supplies. Uh, oh! That's... that's pretty cool, actually. What made you want to do that? Well, I appreciate what you and the rest of the medics have done for me. I wanted to do something to show all of you how much I appreciate what you do for us. Even if it is just helping you put your kits together. Oh, that's... that's really sweet, Miller. Well, on behalf of the medical team... 
you for your assistance. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Whichever one works. <laughs> I'll accept both. Well, let's get back to it. Hand me that splint. Uh, the one on the shelf. There you go. Alright, a few more gauze pads and we can move on to the next kit. You got it, Doc. So, Miller, what's your role in the battle? Oh, I got transferred to infantry. I'll still be under Captain Holtz's command, which is good since I trust him. Still pretty nervous, though. Why are you so nervous? I'll be on the front lines, where most of the fighting's gonna be. You've seen how often I get hurt. That's by accident. Uh, well, uh, hey, Miller. Do you have anyone waiting for you back home? Uh, yeah. My mom and my dog, Voltaire. Oh, what's your mom like? Oh, she's pretty tough. She runs a bar back home with her boyfriend, if they're still together. Huh, yeah? Well, do you mind if I ask what happened to your father? That's all right. I never met my dad. He left before I was born. Ah, a deadbeat, huh? I guess. My mom never talked bad about him. Said he showed up at her bar one day when someone was getting violent. He helped her throw the guy out, and they hit it off after. Mom always said that he'd come and go all mysteriously. Nobody but her seems to remember him, too. They'd always see her with some stranger in a white coat and fancy hat. One day, he just stopped coming around. That's when my mom found out she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Definite deadbeat. Uh, oh, uh, no offense. I get it. But I don't think he's that bad. I'm pretty sure I saw him once. Yeah? Well, what'd you do? Not much. I was outside playing when a feral dog started chasing me. I ran as fast as I could until I heard a gunshot and the dog yelped. I turned to see what happened and saw that the dog was dead. There was some guy in a white coat and a fancy hat with a gun standing on a hill nearby. I blinked and thought he was gone. Weird. Well, if he saved your life, he can't be that bad, right? Yeah, that's pretty much where I stand. Anyway, this kit's done. Ah, nice. Uh, here's another pack. Thanks. So, how about your parents? What are they like? My uh, parents are dead. Oh. Well, that sucks. Yeah, but I only miss my mom. She was tough, too. Oh, if you're her kid, I don't doubt it. What about your dad? Uh, never met. But I don't think I was missing too much. Why? What happened? Uh, when I was a baby, my dad tried to sell me. When my mom found out, she skinned him alive and hung him up from a pole where he died after a week. Whoa. When you said your mom was tough, you weren't kidding. What did your mom do for a living? She, uh, uh she managed a settlement of a sort. Cool. Your hometown? What's it called? Shelf Town. Yeah, Shelf Town. Uh-huh. That's it. Oh, well, if they're all like you in Shelf Town, I might want to visit. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like it there. I'm kind of a black sheep there now. Anyway, let's focus on these kits. Double time, Miller. Let's move. Uh, yes, Doctor. Those are your orders, passed down from the general himself. Do you understand? Yes, Colonel! Then let us rain down death upon our foes. Soon we shall provide a feast for the crows. Whether we do so as the cooks or as the meal, death shall come from McKellen's army. Yeah! We'll show that Macklin snake that we're ready to rattle. Yes, we shall purify this land of Macklin's evil with the glory and fury of unbridled flame. I can't say I'm not looking forward to getting some payback for Station Hill. We're gonna do it right this time. I swear it. For the good of the wasteland, we'll end Macklin's reign of terror! Then let us cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Tomorrow... For death! For the wastelands! For Station Hill! 
for the dash woods. For fun! <laughs> so, once this war is over and Macklin is handled, what are y'all gonna do? Well, after celebrating, I wanna go see my dad. It's been years since I chatted with him. I hope he's mellowed out. Mom would have wanted that. Well, I get that. He lives on the East Coast, right? I might join you when you do. Oh, yeah? Well, I dig the company, but why do you want to go, though? Well, I want to go back to where I last saw Robbie, the guy who saved my life when I was a kid. I, I doubt I'll find anything, but I'd like to go anyway, even just to reminisce. That's, of course, after we're done rebuilding Station Hill and getting it more secure. Well, assuming HQ doesn't assign me anywhere else, we'll make double time fixing Station Hill up. Well, I'll hold you to that, Badger Boy. Hey, Danielle, you got any plans for after this war? Well, after getting everything fixed up, securing some extra caps, and getting leave... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a girl back east that I plan on proposing to. Oh, how glorious the flames of passion burn. Wow, good on you, Danielle. I didn't realize you were sweet on anybody. What's she like? Her name is Mara. Oh, she, she works at an orphanage in, in Maryland. She's, oh, she's the sweetest woman I know. She's got a smile that lights up a room and a voice like poetry. Oh, she's she's kind and compassionate in a way I had never experienced before. I can't wait to see her again. I've never seen you act like this about somebody. She must be quite the woman. I'm sure she'll say yes, but good luck regardless. Well, what about you, Colonel? Anything you want to do? My only desire is to bring the peace of a quick death to those who deserve it. I will continue to serve as the ferryman ushering souls to their final rest. That is my only dream and desire. Groovy. Oh, can't say you're not dedicated! Death this, death that. Put a different record on for once. Well, you'll want to talk. People in glass houses should invest in curtains, Donnie. Well, anyway, anything you want to do after the war, Donnie? Woohoo, yes! After we burn away Macklin's taint in a glorious conflagration of pyrotechnical delights, I think I'll go back to the ruins of my hometown in the Red Wastes. Perhaps I'll finally snuff the candle on that matter. Visit Mother's grave. Well, that sounds like a good plan, Donnie. Wait, hold on. The Red Wastes? What part? Jonathan? Are you here? Atlas? Ready? Yes. I'm here to equip... that. Ah, yes. That. Over here. Excellent. Ah. Lieutenant Colonel Tinsmith, it's good to see you again. Good seeing you too, Mr. Atlas. So, what are you here for? He's here for that. Yes, that. That? What is that? It kind of looks like the back of a suit of power armor with the fusion core mount. You're right. However, can I tell her, Atlas? She's a high-ranking officer. Of course you should tell her. Though, don't explain the third use. Ah, yes. The first attachment. Yes. The first attachment. Okay. Can we stop being mysterious? Sorry. Like you said, it's a repurposed power armor mount serving as a large battery pack. Could I get some assistance with the first attachment? Right. Here you go. 
CML Mark II, codename Camel, active. My thanks. Now for the gauntlets. Okay, it's a battery pack. What is it powering? On top of the camel, it also powers the wrist-mounted short-range laser weapons Atlas is putting on now. Well, I admit it was fun to shout a command word to fire the lasers before. These triggers are far more safe and convenient. (laughs) That's impressive. How does it hold up to the heat? The camel gets painfully hot after several uses, but the wrist lasers don't have the same issue. That's because I used a... A Freon-gas circulation system? It's like a miniature air conditioning unit. That's right. I got the inspiration while showing you how my power armor's environmental controls work. The camel's heating problem hasn't been entirely remedied, but it should still be better than it was. Excellent news. Uh, I can't wait to see Macklin's face when I fire my weaponry right in that wretched face of his. Oh, yeah. You defected from Macklin's army, right? That's right. After several years as a simpleton in Macklin's army, my intelligence was restored after being shot in the head and, ironically, the damage done by the FEV was undone by the regenerative abilities the FEV had given me. I spent several more years after that serving as a scout. After all those years, you still had no idea that Macklin had Nightkin in his army? Not a clue. Macklin hid them well, and hiding is exactly what the Nightkin are best at. They can't be all that good if we caught that Garrett guy alive. Even when we fought him in the woods, he didn't hide himself all that well. He was downright arrogant when he tried to make his move as well. True. But the Nightkin are known to be unhinged madmen. Then again, despite Macklin's own madness, he is brilliant in his own way. Tactical. Decisive. Deceptive. Tinsmith, were you there when Garrett was captured? I was. Why do you ask? How did that conflict go? How many soldiers did he take down before he was subdued? None. We caught him using thermal imaging. Surrounded him and he just surrendered. He surrendered? He allowed you to take him in without a fight? Yes. Why? Atlas, you don't think Garrett would just let us capture him, do you? I do not. He must have an ulterior motive. This must be a ploy of some kind. I have no doubts that Garrett must have allowed himself to be captured in order to accomplish some sort of goal for Macklin's sake. I don't know what he's planning but we need to inform the General and the other officers immediately. Come on! Let's hurry! You two lead the way. I must say, while I have read a great deal of pre-war books on matters of history, speaking with someone who experienced a piece of it themselves is unfortunately quite rare. Well, I'd be glad to try and answer any questions you might have when we've got more free time. (laughs) It'd be kind of nice being on the other side of the interview table. Hopefully we'll be able to do that sooner rather than later. Damn straight, General. Anyway, all the officers should have their radios by now. We'll be able to communicate from complete opposite ends of the battlefield. Excellent. What about when we're inside the compound? I, uh... I can't guarantee they'll work between people in the compound and outside of it. However, if we station transmitters at the entrances, that should help with short-range communications. Hmm. That will have to do. You've already received your assignment. I suggest you- Hey, Crispy! Uh, what up? Oh, hey, Shovan. What's up? Dr. Hayde? Hello, sir. Hey, Crispy. Something's wrong with my radio. Huh. What's it doing? 
I tried calling Dr. Birch to confirm my assignment, but all I'm getting is static. Here. Hmm, let me take a look. I can see you're already fully equipped, Doctor. That doesn't look like standard issue, though. This? It's a gift from a friend of a friend. Unless you're talking about the knife. In which case, I can tell you, I'm way better with this than the gun. Is that so? Well, let's hope the enemy doesn't get close enough for you to use it. We need all of our medics alive and well. And here you go. The antenna was disconnected. Just a bad soldering job. I did a quick patch with some of the soldering glue Johnny gave me. It'll work, just try not to drop it. Here. Okay, that's on me. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. Let me check it one more time. Sir! Wait! We have a problem! Mr. Atlas? Shoban, Crispy, I'm glad we found you. What's going on, Johnny? Oh, if Atlas is worried, it must be big. Sir, we have information regarding the camp's safety. At ease, Lieutenant Colonel. We don't know who may be watching. Ah, yes, sir. Sir, I have reason to believe that the prisoner allowed himself to be captured on purpose. On purpose? What makes you think that? Nightkin are masters of stealth, regardless of whether or not they have a stealth boy equipped. Not only was Garrett spotted, he went down without a fight. Something Macklin's soldiers wouldn't do unless ordered to. Garrett is a slippery worm who bested even the previous Lieutenant General through trickery. This has to be part of a plan. If that's the case, what could he be hoping to accomplish from his current position? I'm sure the soldiers you left with him are probably beating that out of him right now. No, Cortez and Hart are mostly there for show. I didn't want to rely on torture unless he refused to comply. I ordered them to wait before we began the official interrogation. I think I know why he's here. Macklin needed a man on the inside. I'll need backup. All of you, follow me. This door is ajar. Lock and load, everyone. 10smith, Windsor, watch our six. Yes, sir. Yes, General. Mr. Atlas, with me. Yes, sir. Dr. Haid, Mr. Redner, either side of the door. Ready. Got it. On three. One, two, three. He's gone. Cortez and Hart are down. Haid, Windsor, sweep the room. He may still be here. General. I'm here, Cortez. What happened? Hart. Hart noticed something sticking out. Sticking out of the prisoner. The room is clear, General. Good. Doctor, I need your help. Mm Mm-hmm. On it. Mm -hmm. Looks like a skull fracture. Hart. He went to check the prisoner. When he got close, the prisoner broke loose and, and he crushed Hart's throat. Before I could do anything, he threw Hart at me. I hit the wall and... That's all I remember. At ease, soldier. Let the doctor take care of your wounds. Tinsmith, go inform Colonel Grimm. Yes, sir. There's something in Hart's hand. It's covered in blood. It looks like a wire. Wait, let me see that. That looks like... a microphone. Wasteland Active Radio was created, written, and produced by Z. Hagen and J. Wilson. Brought to you by the record button. The roles of Crispy, Bucket, Donnie the Clown, Corporal Cortez, and Private Miller are played by Mr. Wilson. The roles of Atlas, Dave, Private Smoker, Corporal Hart, Sterling, and Badger Boy are played by Mr. Hagen. The role of Johnny is played by B. Seawick. And the roles of Chauvin and Major Walsh are played by Britt Egastal. Britt and their partner Mel both run another channel called Milbert Productions, home to all your nerdy and geeky entertainment needs.
special thanks to our guests this week. Mr. C. Hageman as Garrett. Brad Cloud Stacy as Colonel Grimm. Danielle Baylor as Lieutenant Colonel Tinsmith. And featuring our newest guest, Sean Scott as General James Howard Roosevelt. You can find more of Danielle's work through her Twitter page at who.me. That's dot spelled out, dear listeners. You can also find more of Sean's work through his website, vocalize.com, spelled V-O-K-A-L-Y-Z-E. Wasteland Active Radio is set in the Fallout video game universe, owned by Microsoft Studios and Bethesda Softworks. No copyright infringement is intended. Please support the official release. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting the Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company! Rather be bored on guard duty than being shot at, though. Hmm. Hello. Is that all you can say? Hello. Huh. Well, at least you don't talk much. Better than having someone who don't shut up. Ha. Hello. Hmm. Anything on your side? Hmm. Uh, hello? Huh? What the hell? Did you hear that? Uh Uh-huh. Hello? From the west? Holy hell! Look at those trees! Hello? What the hell is that? (laughs) Hello? Behemoth! (laughs) 